we act as men and we don't believe that the day of the Lord is at hand. The great day of the Lord will happen on Rosh Hashanah by, by everything in the New Testament. And, but we don't, you know, we don't know exactly when it will happen. But I will wager a great deal of money that the last trump will sound in the fall. It could be this year. It could be the next few days. Everything, is, everything that is necessary for the last trump to sound has been completed. The only thing that's keeping the last trump from sounding is the mercy of God, that he's afraid that a few of you will not make it if the trump sounds tonight. You understand? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not talking about everybody in the world. He didn't even see them. He's talking about the ones in this room. And unless you know that he's talking about the ones in this room, you will depersonalize and trivialize the Day of Judgment until you've trivialized it out of your frame of reference. And you will become, you will make the trivial important. You'll trivialize, you'll, you'll trivialize the mystery of God and make the trivial things of this earth important. You'll worship the things of this earth and give no importance at all to the day of the Lord. And so you'll get bent out of shape at every little thing that happens in the world. Because you don't believe that the day of the Lord is at hand. Now, 2,000 years ago, about, <coughs> Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, <coughs> let's go there, First, I mean 1 Thessalonians 4. First of all, you have to believe that from this, from the Jewish standpoint, and from everything that Jew that, that this Bible believes, the ju the judgment day is going to happen on Rosh Hashanah. From the Earth standpoint, you understand? Twinkling about an eye. First Corinthians four verse thirteen. But it would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now keep that in mind. Well, in, in chapter 5 it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. 
You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. starting in verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be transfigured, or changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, this, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, Paul, John, Peter, all of the apostles, all of the first century believers thought that that occasion would occur in their lifetime. That means that Paul, with all the revelation that he had being brought up to the third heaven, more than any of the so-called scholars today, he knew that it was finished 1900 plus years ago. And we are far closer today. It could be, I mean, I'm trying to get this across to you, maybe for the first time in your life, that it may be tonight. That every other concern that you have is ludicrous. leaving the airport this morning at about 6.30 I'm coming back through Dallas and it was black, it was just, it was nighttime when I pulled out of the airport and I didn't drive more than a mile and suddenly the whole sky the whole quadrant of the sky was lit up red because the sun had broken the horizon and there was so much pollution and so much humidity and so many clouds that this weird thing happened and it looked like I remember back in Life Magazine 30 years ago they had stop frame action of a nuclear explosion it was just, it was this huge bubble of orange and red, and everything had a glow to it, and for just a nanosecond, I just, it really shook me right down to it. Okay, let's go to Zephaniah.
the book of Zephaniah, the word Zephaniah means hidden of God. The book of Zephaniah is the source of what we do, hot seats. It's the, it's the, it's the book, it's the prophet that was most feared. Uh, there's all kinds of wild stories about how the nation feared Zephaniah. I, I don't know if it's written up. If it is, I don't know about it. What happened to him? But his message was about this day, the judgment day, the day of Rosh Hashanah. His, his total, the total book of, of, of Zephaniah is about the feast of Rosh Hashanah. Do you understand that from the spiritual standpoint, when Christ was born, it was the judgment day. It was over. It was done. It was over. It was ended. Can you hear that? It's like when Christ was standing there after they had planted the fields, they just put the seed in the ground and he said, Say not that they are yet four months or three months unto the harvest, but say rather that the fields are wide unto harvest. The moment Christ was born into the earth, then it was over for the human race. Now, if we pull ourselves back farther and farther and farther, and the, the, since he was crucified from before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, it was over. You understand me? Do you understand the trivialness of your concerns? If the end of the world is coming tomorrow, tell me what you're concerned about. If the end of time is upon us, what can possibly concern you? Now, with that predicate, let's read Zephaniah. Now, you've got to come to some place, some time that says, I take this seriously. You understand? Everything else is just a philosophy. And nobody gives a holy rat's ass what you think. Do you understand that? Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what your opinions are. Nobody cares what your ideas are. Nobody cares what your feelings are. If the end of the earth is tomorrow. If you're not in sync... If you're not homo logio, speaking the same thing, thinking the same thing as God, you're dust. If your life isn't Christ who has proceeded from God, you cannot return to God. And it'll be as though you were a bad dream and you never existed. And your life and your concerns were as a fleeting moment of smoke in the air and it blew away. It's all Christ or it's nothing. Is that starting to come together? Nobody cares what your problems are anymore. It's too late for your problems. Nobody cares what your hopes are. It's too late for your hopes. Nobody cares what your dreams are. It's too late for your dreams. Nobody cares what your pains are. It's too late for your pains. Nobody cares. Nobody even cares what your doubts are. 
to know that is the beginning of the fear of the fear of the Lord. The beginning it's, it's the beginning of wisdom. Then you can begin to respond and look at life with new eyes. You no longer look as the Gentiles look. What makes you different from a Gentile? Only in how you look at tomorrow. That's the only difference between you and every other Gentile on the face of the earth, is how you view tomorrow. Do you understand that? If you view tomorrow as every other Gentile does, i.e., if you, if, if you esteem the same things that the Gentiles do, then... What does God say? He says, you are they that justify yourselves among men, but God knows your hearts. For those things which are highly esteemed among men are an abomination unto God. The patience of God is awesome. If you want to personalize it tonight, he's waited 2,000 years for you. For you to turn from self. Abandon yourself. To stop, to have, he's waiting for you to act like and to be like one who has defeated the evil one, who's who the seed of woman has bruised the head of the seed of the serpent. You're the seed of the serpent after the flesh. The Holy One of Israel, who is your life, who is Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the seed of woman. And if the seed of woman, he's waiting for the seed of woman to have bruised or overcome this evil one, this antichrist, this instead of Christ, this one who, who feels. And this one is so sincere this one who has the opinions, this one who all of the efforts are only a sniveling attempt at self-divinity. It's finished. It's done. Zephaniah, that the worst thing happens to those who say that God will neither do good nor do bad. In other words, to say that God is impotent. That's what you say when you believe that God has forsaken you, the earth. So you're left to your own devices and he'll do neither good nor bad. Now that's what almost every one of you in this room are guilty of. Almost all of the time. Now, be ready to hear what he says about that. Am I communicating with anyone? Yes, amen. Do you understand the importance of this feast? It was completed in Christ. And now, as he came into the world, so he's going to call us out of the world. And we'll meet him in the air. And when that happens, 
Everything in the universe will have to pass through a dot that's smaller than your eye can see. Don't you understand? If you've been a believer a long time, you've spent, you, you know, you've spent, a, you've spent years and years and years reading this little book, and you go around here and say, oh, I think this is what it means, and I think it means this, and I think it means that. Have you finally reached a point where you, you can hear that nobody cares what you think this book means? If it isn't what God thinks it means, then it's nothing. Now, the, the, the basic thing that you have to ask is, do I know what I'm talking about? If I do, you're in deep shit. If I don't, you're a fool for being here. For any reason. If you don't believe that what, what we teach is the truth, i.e. that it's finished, you're a fool for being here. Well, if you believe that, then stop putting your own interpretations on the scriptures. It's really foolish. Oh. It's called, well, you know what that's called? It's called the rebellion of Korah. It's either finished or it's not. Is that clear? Now let's read Zephaniah. Does everybody understand? Does anybody have any response? If you don't agree with me, say something. What? Huh? Creatures, they can communicate over thousands of kilometers with one another because of the nature of sound and water and the range that they sing. But since man's can only sing, seeing now their range is like maybe a few hundred from thousands and thousands, you know, being able to speak to someone across the planet, it's now they're cut off and, and just, you know, seeing man as a locust, you know, he's just, but I could see, you know, these whales. Being intelligent, you know, there's probably something that they know that this is as it should be, and that you know everything's going to come screeching to a halt. I mean, because I mean that's what it looks like. I mean that's you know after 150,000 years, now everything's just just spiraling down. And it, it's as it should be. Yeah, they have the same sort of thing going on in my. Uh, um, in my book for anthropology, I was talking about um, environmental anthropology and how the world affects people and people affect the world. That's what those guys do. And it said that because of pollution, Lake Erie aged in 50 years what it normally would have aged in 150,000. All the pollutants fed everything. So it basically eutrophied. It basically made itself solid. And then one of the tributaries caught on fire and they thought, maybe there's a problem here when, when a river catches on fire. Uh -huh. it's, it's the same thing. It's the same acceleration to, to one point, to a dead point. Anybody else? 
first thing about the idea of, be- of death being on my mind, particularly because of my dad, and again how how it felt when I was told he was going to die sooner than I thought he was, and then how I felt when oh he still has time, you know we still have time. That's I just it's just kind of there. Yeah, but I mean, it's like we said, through that experience, you can see how. Oh, yes. I mean, you can still die very, yeah. you know, hard you first. could, you know, I mean, that's that's why it's, it's such an exception. Everybody dies at the same instant. If eternity isn't sometime in the future, eternity is no time. When you die, you leave time. So everybody, by definition, has to die at the same moment. Every man died at the cross. Kind of blows the old timeline theory to hell. Yeah, eternity isn't some in the future. Eternity isn't some time, forever isn't some time. Eternity is no time at all. Eternity and the eternal life isn't the life. Eternal life is the life that Jesus lives. It's not anything else. That's why he is the life. The rest of them are just as though they never existed if they weren't in Christ. It'll be as though you literally never existed. But be careful not to to be careful with this because what your mind always tries to do is intellectualizes it so you don't have to face the consequences. It's that fear of death that and I talked about with my grandmother and my dad that I saw in my dad's eyes and knowing that inside that there's that fear of dying, the fear of not being able to do whatever, or just a whole myriad of things, and, and, and just to only see it is just leaving time. Just, just something doesn't compute. I mean, it's, it's been really weird, kind of, this time, being separated from Matt. Um, in, in, in a way, it's, it's like I, I felt. You know, there's separation, and yet, in a way, I feel very tied to him, like there isn't any space, or there isn't any, even though, you know, I don't talk to him much, or, you know, he's not around. But also, what's happened is, like, you know, by my senses, I'm not married. I mean, it's like, I, you know, the thought came in my head, maybe I never was. You know, what if this was all a dream? I mean, just all this kind of weird stuff comes through your head, but... <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what you said? The, the last episode of Dallas. Oh, just here, okay. And all of a sudden, you come home and he's in the shower. But it's weird, because I talked to him, and he said the same thing, and we going on with him, too, that really, it's almost like the the bottom, the, 
rock bottom reality, I guess, is manifesting itself. What, you know, my life is the things that, you know, what is separation and what is not separation, and that, and to my surprise, I don't feel separate. And I know that when I leave, I'm not going to feel separate from you. It's weird, but um, I've never felt that before. The last time you went out, I felt tremendously separate. Tremendously. And uh, it's different now. I don't know why. But it's... It's, it's called growing up. I guess. Yeah, but growing up, I mean, that's got... There's tons of baggage on that one. <laughs> When I was a child, I spake as a child, yeah. I thought as a child. Well, let's go, Zephaniah. Zephaniah was written, not just 1900 years ago, it was written. Over 2,500 years ago, 26 plus, 2,600 plus years ago, by a man who saw the end, he saw the time, and he would be at the same place you or I would be if we saw out of time in an instant. The same place John was, the same place Isaiah was, the same place all the prophets were, the same place Paul was. When you see out of time, all the stuff that goes on in time is immaterial. It's only the the testing ground. It's only the the, the, the the saying process. The only thing real that's happening is out of time. If your life isn't out of time, if you if you you know that's why everything in here says they speak of the they they speak of the things that are time dependent in the world here. They speak of the things in the world. The world heareth them. I mean, what you hear, what you see is what you are. I mean, you could call yourself a Christian until hell freezes over, but if you're concerned with the things that are happening in time, <coughs> by definition, you're not. You understand? You can call yourself a believer just like a, a, a you know, a caterpillar could call itself a horse. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezkiah, the days, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now, who was Josiah? Now, this was the guy who had the greatest Passover. Josiah's Passover was the greatest Passover that was ever there. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Chemarim with the priests. Now the Chemarim, it's a word that It's, it, anytime a word has I am on the end of it, it means many. I mean, that's it's the plural, but it's it's a plural like many, and it's and it's the idola it, the it's it's the priests, it's the servants, it's those that are posing as the servants of God, but are really idolaters. That's what the meaning is. Chemering. It's it could be Levites, it could be um, 
couple of cases. Anyway. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malcolm. Now, Malcolm is who? Remember? No. It's just another word for Molech, huh? I know what the housetop is. Yeah. And them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired for him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. Now, what does it mean to hold your peace at the presence? I mean, this statement is, 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 is there all the time, and we see it over and over in the Bible. What does it mean to hold your peace? Silence. Not shut up. I mean, silence, but it means it means intelligent silence. More like rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. It means it means keep your peace. It means hold on to the peace of Jerusalem within you. Let the peace. You know where it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the, in the evangelical community? It means pray for the, they say it means pray for that peace so there will be peace over there in Jerusalem. That's not what it means. It means pray that you will experience the peace of the new Jerusalem today. Let, let not your peace depart. Right. So to hold your peace means to see, and that by definition, the peace of Jerusalem has to be, there, there, can, be, there can never be a condition in which you're not at peace. You understand that? There's never a situation in which being out of the rest is justified. Why? Because he has completed all possible venues. He's, he's overcome all venues. So there's no place where there's not peace. You can't ask for a change of venue. Uh -huh. Okay? Okay. He hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. Now, the more I talk to people on the outside, and I just simply say this one statement to, to people that are believers, and even to them that are not, that, that we believe that the homeless people in America, or in the world, are the invitations, the living invitations to the members, to the church, to attend the wedding, to attend this feast. If you reject the homeless, God will reject you. If you depersonalize the homeless and make them a statistic, he, you will be made a statistic. The homeless are the way in which God is invited. That's why it means, and we've talked about this before, it makes no sense. There's homeless people coming out our ears. I mean, all over the nation, all over... It's not just in America anymore. But it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's never been this many homeless, even in the Depression. I mean, in the Depression, there may be homeless, but they were... I mean, they may have lost their home, but they weren't homeless, you understand? Because they had their family. But now the homeless are alone. Can you imagine that? I mean, you know, Fred's had a taste, Delvin's had a taste, I've had a taste, I was homeless. 
on a loan. It's, there's no fear like it. There's no... There's nothing like it in the face of the earth to be homeless and alone. The only thing that was like it a, a couple times, but it wasn't like it, but it was in a way. When, when I was doing, when I worked for the government, there were a couple times when I was, when I couldn't let anybody know in the places that I was what I was doing and I was totally alone and things didn't go well. And all of a sudden it was like I was alone. I mean, I was really alone in, in bad places. But that still, I still had this image at least that, that I was doing something or I had something important to do. But to be homeless without, a, without an agenda, I mean, you make up agendas today, I'm going to go do this and this, you make up a little list of stuff to do and all that. But really, to be homeless without an agenda, without and alone, is, is unbelievable. And I see, I mean, even being overseas and, and knowing that nobody knew where you were, you, you still had a covering, you still had or a purpose or a... a Something yeah. that you had some importance to somebody. Or at least I convinced myself I did. <laughs> I probably yeah, didn't. That's true. <laughs> Holy dude. <laughs> if I'd have got caught, that's what I would have been. Holy yeah. Dude. We hate that. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children. And all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now the princes and the king's children, he's talking specifically about those that are naming themselves in the kingdom of God. Yeah. But they have on the wrong garment. They have on strange apparel. They have on their own righteousness instead of his. And the same day... Also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. <clears throat> now, the, 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 that's a... Um, what, what's the thing that can never be translated? Um, idiom. That's a Hebrew idiom that means you're up there attracting people to come in. You know what I mean? So there's nothing, there's no better description of what television evangelism is. It's those that are leaping on the on the antenna, on the housetops, or on the thresholds. Compel I mean, you know, making it attractive for you to come in, making creating an attention getter. Like a barker. You know, it's really what I had two religious guys talking today, ministers teaching. And he was saying, Well, you know, I really had a good sermon and God loved me to clap for me and, and he was going on and just you know, I was just like man, Say what? <laughs> Fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Well, that's what happens when you compel someone to come in for a reason other than the cross. You will fill the house with, an, with different agendas which will cause there to be violence and deceit spiritually. Do you understand? And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be in the noise there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and a howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. Now, the fish gate was obviously one of the gates to the temple. And, and what's happening here is, is that the fish gate was the entrance, it, it was the way you got into the place where 
um, the court of Gentiles was. You understand? And so when you got into the court, and so, but when the temple is measured, if we see in Isaiah 45, it leaves off the court of the Gentiles. And so the cry is from the fish gate, where the people that were in and only made it to the court of Gentiles were, they're all, it's all going to go away. You understand? What was the, what's the second? The second is the next gate. It's your oh, tool. Oh, oh yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah that okay. next gate shall also be, because the wall will be closed. It's only those that are in the court of Israel shall be saved. The court of Gentiles, the court of women shall be gone. It's only the court of Israel and the court of the priests that shall be left. That's what the New Jerusalem is in Isaiah 45. I mean, in Ezekiel 45. He never even addresses the people that made no effort. I mean, this is all. This is all this, the believers. That's what I'm saying. This is almost everybody that really thought they were in. Yeah, it's the others as though they never even existed. Yeah. Yeah. Not you can't see them. That's right. I know. But I mean, that's just wild. Okay. How you inhabitants of Maktish, for all the merchant people are cut down. He just addressed them. All they that bear silver are cut off. What does it mean to bear silver? Ooh, your own, uh, it means you, cre you create your own definition of redemption. I will be redeemed by my thing, by my plan, by my goodness, by my this, by my that. Whatever will redeem you, that's you. That's who you are bearing silver. What will you be redeemed by? I'll be redeemed by, by, by intelligence. I'll be redeemed by wealth. I'll be redeemed by guile. I'll be redeemed by talent. I'll be redeemed by looks. I'll be redeemed by relationships. I'll be redeemed by hanging around. Whatever the thing you think will you'll be redeemed by is gone. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees. Now, to be settled on the lees, remember the lees are the seven stages of preparing the wine. Well, lees are just all the stuff that's not wine. Well, I know, but what the lees are seven things, and at each of the seven stages, they took a let up in a... Well, leads are also what that shit is called. Oh, okay. At the, at the bottom. Well, that may be what it's called now, here. but now is what it, it's called. The leads are anything... It's... It's... It's, it's the place where the wine sits down the center. If I, if, yeah, but here, here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. If I, if I accept Jesus as my personal Savior, and I stay hidden under the, the blood in Egypt, that's one lee. You know, you understand? Then I go into the wilderness, that's another, before the law. Then I go at the law, and that's another. God only cares about going all the way to the mercy seat. This, there are seven <coughs> stages or seven lees that if you're settled at any one of those points, then you, it means that you no longer think of yourself as a stranger in a strange land. Do you understand? So that's the, the bottom line. Well, it's like, you know, with that crack 
crap, if you're settled down, if your identity is, is, the, is the lease, the wine is always moving. It's always going on. If your identity is the wine, then you're moving on to the ultimate the, in the bottle and then being consumed. If you're the lease, you're stopped. And you no. Move to the garden. So, so when he says like the price is over, you better be so. wine. Are those like the consecrations too, like the ones from consecrations of Abraham? Yeah, it's probably somewhere. That say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Now, that's one you really have to be careful of in this society. Because it's so easy, There's the mystery has gone out of life. The mystic has gone. And so you become in your mind technocrats. And you have a rational explanation for all things. And you say the Lord shall do, neither do good nor do evil. It's really dangerous. It's really dangerous not to be a mystic. Therefore their goods shall become a booty, their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust in their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of them that dwell in the land. If you dwell in the land, if this is your home, you, it's a speedy riddance of them that dwell in the land. If you are hid with Christ in God under the wings of the cherubim on the mercy seat. That's your dwelling place. But it can't be a dwelling place that's, oh, that's where I'm going someday. It has to be seen as now, even in this kind of testing, in this kind of fire, you will know that you're in the dwelling place of the Most High. So this was going on, this is taking place when Christ is born. This is, this is all taking place. It's the, the end is at the beginning. The Feast of Rosh Hashanah is the birth of Christ, but the Feast of Rosh Hashanah is also the Judgment Day. The destruction. The destruction. It's the same, because when he was born, it was over. He tore it through the flesh from the inside out. Okay. Now, remember in this, in the memo I read here, it is, it's, it's, this is from the Targum of Rosh Hashanah. On Judgment Day, it is the custom of men who appear before a court of justice to wear black clothes fast and be mournful because the outcome is uncertain. But we do not so, because we are certain of God's mercy in Christ. 
And because we have picked up the cross, we wear white garments, have our beard shaved, and eat and drink and rejoice in the conviction that God will perform miracles for us. And that's the confidence we have in him. Understand? Gather yourselves together, yea, gather... Now this is the... Now comes the hot seat stuff. This is what Burnett and Gary are most interested in. Uh-huh, and excited about. Gee, yeah. They'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> so was I, I remember. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation or people not desired, before the decree bring forth. In other words... Before the day of judgment actually takes place, understand it. See it as though it has already happened. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of of the Lord's anger. What you know of a hot seat is, is minuscule compared to what the day of the judgment will be. But it gives you a hint so that you don't try to this, this game of protecting yourself. Amen? For Gaza shall be forsaken Ashkelon of desolation, they shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the sea coast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. And the sea coast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and foals for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereon in the houses of Ashkelon, shall they lie down in the evening, for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breeding of the nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. They shall, this shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even the isles of the heathen. Yea, Ethiopians also shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like wilderness. And flocks shall lie down in the midst of her, and the beast of the nations, both the cormorant and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows, desolation shall be in the thresholds, for she, he shall uncover the cedar work. Remember what the cormorant and the bittern? Huh? They're names of demons. Are they both scavengers? Mm-hmm. Where are they? That's the door. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. 
How has she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down? Everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his hand. This thing we were talking about, about the people, almost people being the messengers of God, and having just studied Sodom and Gomorrah, and knowing what they did to the people, and then seeing like here in 10 verses, these, the people that are going to be destroyed are the people that have magnified themselves <coughs> against the people of the Lord of hosts. Uh, we're right. I mean, if the desolate, the people living in the streets, are the people, I mean, everybody has magnified themselves against them. Yeah. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted, to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice, she received not correction, she trusted not in the Lord, she drew not near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions, her judges are as evening wolves. They gnaw not the bone till the morrow. Her prophets are light, light prophets. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring forth, bring his judgment to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. I have cut off the nations, their towers are desolate, I made their streets waste, that none passeth by, their cities are destroyed, so that there is no man, there is none inhabitant. I said, Surely thou wilt fear me, thou wilt receive instruction, so their dwelling should not be cut off. Howsoever I punished them, but they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, for, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Now, you don't believe that. Most people don't believe that. They say that's just a philosophy. And I have my own right to believe what I want to believe. you understand how ludicrous that is? Yeah. you understand how ludicrous subjective truth is? Yeah, I mean, think about it. Yet, subjective truth is the thing that's worshipped in society today. For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia my suppliants, even the daughter of my dispersed, shall bring mine offering. In that day shalt thou not be ashamed for all thy doings wherein thou hast transgressed against me. For then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in they, thy pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. 
The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments, he hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee. I will save her that halteth, and, will, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth, when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. Now, as we read in that memo, the day of Rosh Hashanah is the day of the celebration of the coronation of God as truly king. Now, you, you haven't yet made God truly king. For there are areas of your life for which you are still complaining. There are areas of your life for which you are still a victim. Understand, if you have made God truly king, you can never again be a victim. If you've get, made God surely king, you can never again complain. You can never again murmur. Because in murmuring or complaining, you are saying to God that you know better than he where you should be. Now, I promise you something, that if you can live your life as though the end may come in the next day or the next hour, there will be a totally different perspective, and you will be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. You will not give any breath to the idolatrous, ridiculous value systems of the earth, or of the world. Now, there's a whole lot of... We, Zephaniah is really the book of Rosh Hashanah. I didn't even include it in here because I didn't want to confuse everybody. But we have got a lot of readings to do Sunday. Okay? Everybody understand perfectly? Hey, big guy. <laughs>